You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, there's a lot to do today. I was contemplating maybe doing, you know, if, if it was available, which it's not as of right now, maybe just going through the play-by-play, just so we're sure on everything that we're saying moving forward. But it's not available, so we'll do a, a typical day two thing. We got PFF grades and whatnot. Um, Want to kind of clarify a couple things as far as my thoughts. And um, there's been a lot of press conferences and things said and whatnot, and uh, I want to go through that. I actually want to start there. Um, Matt LaFleur did a one-on-one and um, kind of gave some of his thoughts. And it's mostly, I found that in times like this, usually you get a lot of cookie cutter stuff. You know, um, we got to go back to the tape. We got to go back to work. We got to, you know, Rogers is saying simplify things a ton. Fine. I don't know exactly what that means, but he seems to know what it means. And he seems to think that's the solution. He certainly has a better vantage point than I do. So if he's looking at it, saying that we're really trying to run complex stuff and the offensive line and the wide receivers are struggling to execute that. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) That's fine. Go do it, you know, and we'll see what happens. Obviously Rogers has a pretty strong voice. And so if that's what he says, I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. I really doubt he's going to go to Matt LaFleur and say, we really need to simplify this. And Matt's like, nah, I think you're an idiot. Just go back to work and let's do it. So I think, again, I don't know what that means, but I think we're going to see a more simplified offense, which in a way sucks because you are giving up ground. Simplifying the offense makes it easier to defend. However, a complex offense that you can't execute also doesn't work. So we're, we're kind of retreating in hopes of not losing the whole army, you know? But I want to start with a clip from Matt LaFleur. This is the very last question and answer on this video. And the reason I want to play it is because there's still a strong contingent of, of fans saying that people are overreacting, right? There's a lot of hot takes, a lot of overreaction, whatever. Matt LaFleur is clearly stating that this is not normal, right? I mean, the question starts off by saying this is uncharted territory because it is, which by the way, this whole season has been uncharted territory. I, I mentioned that with the um, the Bears game. Statistically speaking, we should expect about 35 points. We got 27. Everywhere along the way, we underperformed, right? Even if we won like we did against Tampa and the Patriots, it wasn't what it should have been, right? Like, well, technically we still won against the Patriots. Yeah, but it wasn't as good as it was supposed to be, was it? And then the Giants game, again, yeah, well, I mean, the, in hindsight, the Giants are real good, et cetera, et cetera. No, we were supposed to win that game by like eight and a half points, and we got beat. And that, that's not even getting into all the injuries they had, which were massive. Remember that whole thing where they didn't have any of their starting corners? Remember that thing? Number one, number two, number three corners all out. Remember how they lost their star defensive tackle and then lost like at least one other defensive tackle when they lost Saquon Barkley? They lost wide receivers, and we got beat. And this game, and again, I never agreed with it because I've seen, I think, the Packers for what they are. We're supposed to win this game too. It's at home. It's after a loss. Remember, we don't lose after a loss. We also don't lose when we're more than six-point favorites. Well, we were more than six-point favorites. We lost to the Giants. All right, well, we don't lose after a loss, especially at home, right? I mean, there's no way. Well, we did. So this is completely uncharted territory. This is not, well, we've seen this before. We've had adversity before. No. Never, ever, ever, ever like this. In Matt LaFleur's tenure, have you ever seen anything like this? The answer to that question is so blatantly, obviously no. The only time we've seen anything like this was 2018, and that's not a good thing. Anyways, here is the question and answer that I wanted to highlight for you. Make sure this is turned up, because for some reason this is always very quiet, but this is as loud as I can get it for you. I apologize. Losing two games in a row is uncharted territory for you guys. What's the next step? How do you, how do you right the wrongs quickly? Yeah, I, I think, that, you know, um, I don't know right now, to be honest. First of all, <laughs> there's that. Right? The answer isn't, 
Well, you know, first you just calm down. Like we're three and three. We're, we're still a good football team. No, he sat there for a solid three seconds and just said, I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Number one, that's concerning. Number two, he's clearly acknowledging that there is an issue. In terms of just all I know is that we have to get back to work. We have to look at ourselves critically, every man uh, in that locker room, starting with myself first and what we're asking our guys to do. We have to put them in better positions, no doubt about it. And then we got to execute better. But um, the only way that's going to happen is, is uh, if everybody's honest with themselves and we look at everything really, really hard and we get back to practice and, and we got to clean up a lot of details. And uh, But, you know, this is, this is a low point for us. There's a lot of ball left in front of us. That, it's a low point for us. I thought we've been here before. I thought we've seen this before. I thought this is no big deal. This is like, no. This is uncharted territory. This is a low point. Never been here before. Never dealt with this before. There's 11 games left that are guaranteed, and, um, you know, we're a 3-3 three and three team right now. And so, um, you know, all is not, it's not totally bleak. Uh, <laughs> he can't even, I mean, that's such a obvious opportunity to say, hey, all is not lost, everything's fine. He says, all is not totally bleak. <laughs> we, we can control everything in front of us, but we've got to be better, and we've got to do it in a hurry. We got to be better, and we have to do it in a hurry. This is urgent, and it is. So, again, there's nothing wrong with trying to be positive. But if you're trying to be positive by telling people who are being honest that they're being ridiculous, you're wrong. It's not ridiculous. This is the reality. This is this is terrible, terrible. So. I'm also, I've, I've watched the individual player. I'm not going to play any of them because it's nothing all that interesting. They're obviously very frustrated and don't have a lot to say, but I'm so tired of hearing about the standard. We know the standard here. Well, knowing it is nice and saying that there's a standard is nice. But, you know, again, it's, it's not just that you lost. You know, lo- losing is, is whatever, right? You, you know the standard in Green Bay is to win, but sometimes you don't have what it takes to win and you lose. It's just a thing that happens sometimes, but you set the standard. But how do you meet that standard? And again, when, when you look at some of the basic, and I'm primarily looking at the offensive line, some of the basic things being missed, do you actually care about that standard or do you just like saying that at press conferences because it sounds good? Because that's what the coach tells you, right? We have a really high standard we set here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The coach says that, and you hear it, and then when you're asked questions about it, you just kind of regurgitate that. Well, yeah, you know, there's a standard here, and we we know the standard, and we expect the best of ourselves, and all right, what are you doing? Because there's a disconnect. You know the standard, and you're doing 100% of your abilities to meet that standard, and then that happens on the field. Huge disconnect. And, and again, you can't tell me talent because we've seen you do it. We saw you do it last year. What's going on? And, and the, the problem, you know, from, from their perspective, our perspective, however you want to say it, is if you continue to be vague, you leave us to fill in the gap. And all I'm hearing is we have a standard and we got to get back to the basics and we have to simplify and we need more consistency slash I don't know what to do <laughs> from the head coach. You're giving me nothing. So, you know, it sounds to me like you don't really know why everybody's play has fallen off. I don't know, but it has. And it doesn't provide a lot of comfort to the Packers fans when you go to them and say, that was bad, right? And they say, yes, that was bad. And you say, well, what do we need to do? Well, we need to do, you know, we need to be better. Okay. Are you going to be better? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to go back. We're going to look at it. We're going to address it. We're going to be better. And then you're not. And then, you know, again, the question is posed, what the heck is going on? Well, you know, and they downplay. Well, it's, it, you know, it's just we, we just got to be more consistent. We just got to do the, the, the. It sure doesn't look like it's a quick fix. It doesn't. It's, it's at this point, six games in, it appears to me as though either you can't identify the problem at all or you've identified it and you can't fix it. I don't really see a thing moving forward that you can say, okay, here's where they're growing. Here is, here's the issue that they identified. You can see growth in that area. And clearly when they get to, you know, max capacity in that one area, then they're going to be a good football team. That one thing doesn't exist. 
And now we're looking at it saying it's, it's, it's not just a thing, it's everything. It's offense, defense, special teams. On offense, it's offensive line. It's quarterback. It's tight end. It's wide receiver. On defense, it's defensive tackles. It's the edge rushers. It's the linebackers. It's the safeties. It's the corners. Not everybody to the same degree and not everybody all the time. But there isn't one area of one part of this team where you look at and go, that part is solid all the time. Some are close, you know. I mean, again, Kenny's about as close to perfect as you can get. I'm not asking for perfect, so I'll, I'll, I'll call Kenny across that line, Rashawn Gary, you know. I don't know that Bakhtiari's doing terribly. I know he graded out well. I didn't really notice him in the game aside from maybe once. And even that was kind of a weird double-teamy thing where I'm not positive he was to blame. Maybe he was. Certainly some offensive linemen more than others. There's no sense dragging them through the mud again, saying their names all over again. You know exactly who they are. They reside on the right side of the line. You know, Jair seems to be solid. I don't think he's necessarily in that category he was in in, what, 2020? But he's he's seems to be real solid. I mean, they, they put him man-to-man and a guy and more or less shut him down. I think the only person that said what I wanted to hear at, as far as the locker room stuff went was Kenny Clark. We got the right guys. We got to stick together, and that's true because I think the thing that scares me the most now is these guys start to give up. I mean, they're already doing that in-game. They can't even make it through four quarters without kind of giving up. If they start giving up week to week, you know, you start hearing the same coaches say the same nonsense about, you know, this plan's going to be great. We're going to do this. We're going to win. We're... Um, after a while, it's like, yeah, I've heard this before. We've been there. We've done that, you know. So they are going to have to kind of dig deep and stick together as a unit and keep that same energy they've had of we know how good we are. Because it's not going to take very long of getting beat up like this before you start to say maybe we're not that good. Maybe we're just not. And then you start to have the superstars start to say, I can't do it all by myself. I'm doing great. These guys suck. Tired of dragging these people around. Tired of taking heat about how much we suck because you suck, not because I suck. Again, it sounds stupid, but this is, this is human nature. People get frustrated. Anyways, kind of piggybacking off of the whole Matt LaFleur thing in terms of, you know, the team also recognizes that things aren't great. Here's Aaron Rodgers commenting on a question about, are you guys in crisis mode? Are, are things uh, bad, I guess? You guys feel like you're kind of in a crisis mode right now a little bit? I don't really know what that means, Pete. Can you explain? Um, that, you know, the season's kind of wobbly right now and things are on the brink. Things are wobbly, season's on the brink. What do you think Rogers is going to say here? Let, let's, let's just teleport that question to any other Matt LaFleur season, 2019, 2020, 2021. At any point, Rogers has asked this question, is the season on the brink? Is there any point ever, ever, where Rodgers answers this question, anything other than, you're being ridiculous? Of course not. No. It's it's immediately going to be seen with scorn and a scowl, and that's not what happens here. Oh, I don't know. I mean... I don't know, is how he starts that. Is the season on the brink? He says, I don't know. <laughs> Are you in crisis mode? I don't know. We got to be realistic about where we're at. We've played a couple uh, subpar games the last two. So we got to play better. But uh, wobbly, only if people are breaking rank. You know, I think it'll be interesting to look at the comments uh, from all of our guys and coaches. And hopefully we stick together. That's the important thing. But until I see his breaking ranks, I'm not going to say there's any wobbliness going on. So, again, that's important. And there's been a lot of talk about Rodgers, you know, going behind Matt LaFleur's back. And there was a question on Packernet After Dark about, you know, what if Rodgers is making comments behind Matt LaFleur's back? Maybe he's just full of it right here. But it sounds like Rodgers acknowledges the importance of, um, again, not breaking down in that specific way. Do not undermine the coaches. Do not undermine especially the head coach. And I'm sure he also expects the leaders of the team to be respected as well, uh, which would include himself. But he's saying he hasn't seen that. But, but again, that is sort of the last straw to break. And I think he's right. 
there's hope as long as these guys continue to believe. And my concern is how much longer are they going to believe? Now, I'm, I'm very glad we're going up against Washington next because, as I said, I think last night, Washington is not the Jets or the Giants. Now, the Jets and the Giants are not as good as everyone makes them out to be. They're certainly better than we thought they would be. But Washington is not those teams. Um, they have serious issues. They, as far as I can tell, they are not, you know, they don't have, interestingly enough, what they don't have is, is that level of belief. They don't have a, a, a leader in the locker room that's making them believe things. They're, they're getting attacked by the media. They're kind of a laughing stock. They, the, the head coach is kind of breaking down. He's swearing at the media about you freaking guys are lying and I'm sick of it. And, the, you know, you're picking on my quarterback and I don't like it. I was storming out of press conferences. I mean, they're they're in a bit of a crisis. Like I said, they're, they're, they're the Packers without the talent. And they're already kind of breaking down. Maybe they're sticking together as a unit. Uh, hopefully they're not galvanized by all the attack here the attacks here, but um, they don't have that. They don't have the, that coach that they believe in. Um, they, you know, they, they've got a good coach, but he's been there a long time. This isn't like a new thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we're really going to do this thing. They know they suck. They know that it's going downhill, and they know it's a big problem on top of, you know, the fact of being a laughingstock of a franchise to begin with. You guys have never really been all that good. You don't really have that many good players. Your owner is like, uh, you know, that whole thing is a disaster. Um, I think maybe only the Browns have a worse situation in terms of of how that goes because the owner is kind of separated from the team. It's not your starting quarterback. Um, so so there's a there's an opportunity here, and I'm I'm not saying win. I'm saying you need to win big, like real big, so that you have some real belief. Um. I'm I'm worried about the timeline because we got Buffalo coming up and I don't see much hope of us beating Buffalo. So you, so so there's you need to have so many things go right so that you can still lose to Buffalo, come out on the other side feeling great. <laughs> and it, you know, yeah, it's possible they beat Buffalo, but I'm not even really willing to take it there right now. There needs to be serious changes, serious upgrades. In terms, I don't mean like going outside. I mean like guys getting back to their standard. You know, we we have premier tackles. That's what we came into the season with, and they're not playing like it. And that needs to change instantly. Um, you know, all, all the things that we really like about the team need to get back to things that we like about the team. So there needs to be upgrades. We need to win. We need to win handily so that they can they can really rally together. And um you know, maybe have a shot against Buffalo. It's not impossible. And then, um, you know, obviously if they beat Buffalo, then it's, then it's all bets are off. Now it's, now it's off to the races. We're back in business. Um, but, but I think more than likely what they need to do is, is stomp Washington in a real serious way, play Buffalo in such a way that all the good that we saw against Washington continues against Buffalo. And if we happen to lose, as long as we lose in a slugfest and in a way that says, Hey, those things that we saw are real. You know, the 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 blocking was better, the the decision making and the passing and the receiving and the running and all these things, it was there and they were really competitive and it was, you know, kind of like the Chiefs just lost to Buffalo. If you look like that, you know, and it's now you're looking at it saying, hey, this is the number one defense and one of the top offenses in football, and we were able to get, you know, 20, 23 some odd points and keep it close. And that's kind of the only path. But but overall, again. He's right, and Kenny Clark is right. They need to stick together. They need to avoid negative comments to each other, um, talking bad about the coach and the players and all this stuff behind each other's back and all that. What is going on with the phone calls today? Anyways, uh, that is important. Um, I'm not going to play the clip of Aaron Rodgers saying it but because it's unnecessary, but the one thing that kind of stood out, when he talks about simplification, and the reason I bring it up is because it, it's – it's um, arising a little bit of hope in some people, and and maybe it should, but he went on to explain when he was pressed on it as far as, you know, why, why do you feel you need to simplify and why did it take so long, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, it's, this is always the way it goes. In 2019, when we struggled, simplify. You know, 2020, simplify. It's always when you struggle, simplify. So 
on one hand, apparently it's a proven strategy. When we struggle, it's because we're doing too much. We need to simplify, and once we do that, it usually helps. On the other hand, this is not a we've identified identified what is uniquely bad about this year and figured out what the issue is. This is sort of a stock answer. We are struggling to execute, so simplify. Now, in theory, it makes a ton of sense because obviously they're having a hard time executing. Maybe there's just too much rattling around in their head. Maybe it's not, you know, when, when you struggle to execute a simple thing, it's because you're overthinking simple things because there's so much going on in your brain. And if we spend more time focused on less, we are better at those few things as opposed to trying to get prepared to do a billion things. And again, there's every reason to believe that that would be successful, assuming we still believe that this is a very talented roster. Because even if you're executing less amazing schematic things, you're still executing very well. And you should be able to do damage, especially against a team like Washington. So again, just like with Joe Barry last week, who was the, the, the main point of focus last week. And it's, it's funny too when people are like, well, you know, every week it's somebody else we got to go after. You know, the hot take machine I saw it referred to as. Well, it was the right take. And you had the defensive coordinator even come out and say, you know what? He didn't say the fans are right, but the fans are right. I've been wrong. The players are right. And we need to change. And he did change. And, and despite everybody's take that nothing got better, that's not true. The defense was significantly better. It just fell off at the end. And again, a lot of the times that it fell off, I saw guys doing exactly what we, I thought we weren't going to be doing anymore. On top of, again, guys just kind of gave up, started doing... But it, from a schematic standpoint, which offensively has, seems to be fine, defensively was a problem, I think defensively they did a great job. We, we asked Jair to be more involved. Jair asked to be more involved, and he was, and I think he did a good job. But, you know... You, you give Joe Barry the ability to say, okay, things are bad. I don't think you're going to change, but let's see if you do. And he did. And I think things are looking better. I'm, I'm optimistic for the future of the defense so, so long as the rest of the team picks it up because they're going to lose hope eventually if this is how the rest of the team, if this is how it's going to go the rest of the year. But for right now, yeah, it, it's, it's, let's see. You know, three and three is certainly something you're able to recover from so long as you can identify the problem and execute better and just be better. Because like we've said almost every week now, all the other teams are bad too. So there's just a lot of bad football and you're being given a little bit of a grace period here to kind of figure it out because nobody's really running away with this thing. So yeah, again, we'll give it a week. We'll see. We'll see if they simplify things because that's, that's going to be the thing going into this week for sure. I have a, a strong inclination they're going to make a change along the offensive line, although maybe the hesitance will be, well, we're trying something new, let's simplify, and now that it's more simple, let's, let's give Royce and Elton and those guys another opportunity. And if they continue to struggle, then we'll make a change. But it seems as though they're, they're ready to do that. They basically did make a change with, with Royce until they had to go back. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, there's nothing I've said so far that has anything to do with my prediction that we're going to be a six-win team on the season or anything like that. I, I'm, I'm simply diagnosing where we're at and, and stating that if it doesn't change, yeah, six wins or however many wins it ends up being, I don't know, it doesn't super matter. But I mean, you know, we'll we'll see what happens, I guess. So, and and you know, the way he explains it, it it, it makes perfect sense. He he had a line. It was. Um, the simplest plays are the best plays. The smartest players are the best players. The first part he kind of lost me on a little bit until he kind of hit it up with the second part, which makes sense. The smartest players are the best players. That might be said backwards because I'm sure there's some smart players that um, aren't good at football, but I think the best players are all very intelligent players. But either way, regardless, it does make sense because the team, let's just be honest, looks stupid. They do. And so if you want to make them look smart, then they need to be experts. And in order to be experts at what you're doing, you know, you... Practice makes perfect, right? And there's been a lot of comments from myself included about, doesn't look like you're practicing at all. If you're practicing too much, you're not perfecting anything. Jack of all trades, master of none thing, or whatever that saying is. Seems like that's kind of where they're at. Which is unfortunate, because that it, what you'd ultimately like, the full manifestation of a great team is a team that does a lot of complex things, and is mastered, has mastered all of those things. But we're not. 
But if we can have this team executing at a high level, a really high level, even more simple plays, as Aaron Rodgers said, we have the talent. That's the difference. I mean, if, if this is a team with no talent, then it's like, well, all we're doing is shrinking. And, you know, although you're executing better, you have bad players executing bad plays really well, and it's not going to go well. And bad plays is a little unfair, but, but you get what I'm saying. And, and really part of it, it doesn't even have to be less complex necessarily, although that's part of it. If you just shorten up the playbook, instead of learning, you know, a hundred high level plays, what if you cut it down to 40? We're still talking high level plays. We're still talking complexity. We're still talking motion. And, and we probably cut back at a higher percentage those plays as opposed to the more simple bread and butter plays, but we can still keep them, but we have less of them so that we have the opportunity when we go to practice to practice those 40 more and really drill those 40. I'm making up numbers, but the point is hopefully getting across. Really hammer home those 40 and just disregard the rest. And, you know, if we get into a rhythm, fine. You, you slowly start adding it back. But let's master something. Let's become elite at something. Let's take 20 run plays and 20 pass plays and freaking perfect them. And that's been one of the big, biggest things, too, is, you know, the... Just like I said with Christian Watson and, and, and Romeo Dobbs, you know, if they're, if they're not, you know, running the routes right, do it a hundred times. Well, th- this is something closer to that. We have the opportunity to really hammer those plays the right way. And, and those certain plays that just are not, they're just not happening, let's just cut it for now. There's some that we're running real well, let's keep them. And let's, let's really hammer those so that we go from running it really well to running it perfect. And the ones that we really like that, that I believe we can do, but we're not quite there yet, let's keep those, let's hammer it, let's become good at it. And then later become perfect at it. And then when you get there, then we start adding stuff in. Let's go from, from you know, 40 plays to 50 plays. Let's keep hammering those 40, but let's add in a couple. Five, six, seven, ten plays. You know, gradually. I, I think the reasoning is sound. It, considering we're sitting in a in a... In a situation now where um, there's no answers. I mean, nothing makes sense. Nothing's going to help. But it also doesn't make sense that, that things don't work. How, how are really good players suddenly bad players? Well, there's maybe just too much on their plate, which doesn't make a ton of sense because it's like, well, how does David Bakhtiari suddenly not know how to do stuff? Well, the offensive line kind of works in unison, as does everything. Why does Aaron Rodgers look so bad? Well, when the offensive line isn't working and the wide receivers aren't doing the right things, it's going to affect the quarterback. And when the timing of the quarterback and the, you know, when the offensive line throws off the timing of the quarterback, that means he needs to make changes, right? When there's pressure, the wide receivers do different things. When, when this is happening, when, when things are going chaotic, you have to change things. Ultimately, I think it starts with the offensive line, but it all feeds off each other. And why does Rodgers look so bad? Well, he's in the middle of the sandwich and on both ends is garbage. And I'm not dismissing Rodgers' play, but when the offensive line is breaking down and the wide receivers, and I'm not saying they're terrible, but... It's part of the problem, and it doesn't help the wide receivers when your quarterback is crumbling. Same thing can be said for defense, and, and offense and defense feed off each other as well. I'm excusing the defense solely because of the offense, but obviously the, the you know, players on the edge, you know, as far, I mean, even just communication for one thing, they all have to be able to communicate and, and understand their assignments and what everybody else needs to be doing, but then it feeds off of each other. I mean, if you're doing a good job inside, it helps the linebackers, it helps the edge rushers. Corners help the, the, the you know, the, the, the coverage helps the pass rush. The pass rush helps the coverage. Corners help the safety. Safeties help the corners. It all makes sense. But, but again, we're still come back to, all right, then do it. Because honestly, it makes more sense than everybody just starts to suck at football. So, so the only real solution or the only other real ex- explanation for me is that the team's kind of given up. There's no passion. There's no heart. They've given up on the coach. They've given up on each other. I don't want to believe that's the case, but... I'm, I'll, I'll accept this as, as a thing that, that is a, another alternative to what could possibly be happening. Still doesn't really explain things, because again, I mean, we, we have a more experienced offensive line than last year, and they're doing a worse job. That we just Did Matt just go nuts? And he's like, hey, we're going crazy this year. You know, we got a bunch of young guys. We're just going to go nuts and uh, add a bunch of things. I don't think so. Maybe, I mean, maybe, you know, hey, David Bakhtiari's back, Elton's back, Josh Myers is back, let's, let's, get, uh, let's get crazy. Maybe. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's high risk, high reward, too, because I've been mentioning how the run game has looked better, the run blocking has looked better. Maybe it's the, the complexity of what they've been doing that's a little, adding a little bit of oomph to it. But it's also kind of destroying them. I don't know. 
again, I'll, I'll accept it. Fine. Sounds good. Let's do it. Let's cut back. Let's cut back on the complexity of the plays. Let's cut, cut back on the volume of the plays, all that. And let's, let's try to master the, uh, the, the stuff that's in front of us. See how it goes. I'm not saying I'm hundred percent buying that that's going to fix everything, but, um, it's the only thing we got left <laughs> to hang on to at this point. The other thing I found interesting, and again, I won't play it because a lot of it is body language, but um, the question was asked, do you have enough horses to get where you need to be? And, and Rodgers kind of did a little, eh, look. And immediately he goes to wide receiver. You know, he, he didn't say, well, I don't know, we, we got to see, maybe we get a what. Or, or it went straight to wide receiver with the point being, I don't know. But then he says, we need Sammy Watkins back. That's a need. I I think, I know Packer fans aren't excited about Sammy, but Rodgers is, and I think it's more than just talent. I think it's schematics. Um, everything I've said about Christian Watson and the important role that he plays because of his speed, I think Sammy brings that, but he's just a better wide receiver um, You know, at this point in his career. He's not as fast, but he has the speed element, but also I think you, you've got a guy that Rodgers is going to throw to. you got a guy that's going to run the routes the, the right routes, the right way, and bring the speed element. And I think they really, really want that, really need that, really miss that. You know, again, he played two games. And in his second game, he had like an 81 overall grade, 90 some odd, 96 yards, I think. Um, he, he's, a, he's an important piece. And as much as Rodgers really wants to, and the, the Packers really want to and need to be able to attack down the field, they don't have that piece. They've got Sammy is the number one in that regard. He's gone. Christian is sort of the number two in that regard, although they don't feel comfortable throwing to him. He's the number two guy. He's the fastest guy on the team, but you know there's some issues with route running and everything else. Dobbs, I think, would Dobbs and Cobb are kind of like the number two ish or number three ish, number four ish. Um, but Cobb doesn't necessarily have that level of speed. He's mostly intermediate stuff. They've tried to use Dobbs, and I, I just don't think. I mean, they, they've gotten to the point where they've realized that Lazard is basically our best deep threat. And they continue to try that. And obviously, that's a terrible option. So immediately when asked, do you have the right horses? He says, we'll see, but we need Sammy Watkins back. He also says, I think that's going to be happening soon. And I, I don't disagree that that's a big factor. Um, speed is a big factor. It's a big factor in the NFL. It's always been a big factor factor for the Packers. They've always wanted to have that guy. Again, MBS was a very important piece for that reason. Um, whether or not he's a good wide receiver is irrelevant. It's important for being able to do the things that they want to do and stressing the defense in a way that we just can't do without it. And so, um, but, but, but again, even at that, he says, I don't know, even with Christian Watson, even with Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard and, and, you know, with, with Randall and, and with everybody at full strength, even then Rogers says, I don't know if we have what we need, but again, from my perspective, let's prove that we're on the cusp. Let's prove that we're actually, you know, let's simplify things. As you said, let's do that whole thing. Let's see some much better execution, some sustained drives. And if, if we kind of stall out because we're seeing guys just can't really get open, yeah, I'm, I'm all on board. I'm all the way on board with, with anybody you want. Not Robbie Anderson, who's already on a new team, but I was never on board with that. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. The guy just got sent off the field by his team, was kicked off the field by his own team for being a loudmouth jerk. And Packer fans are like, ooh, we should get him. Like, what? He's not even good. He's not even a guy that's ever really been a good wide receiver. We got to go get a loudmouth guy that's never been good. OBJ, though, I'm, I'm all on board with that. I know he's not what he was in, in New York. I don't care. I'd, I'd be fine with it. He, he hasn't been a head case since, like, you know, what, 2014? He's, he's a calm-down guy. He's not as crazy. He's, a, he's an asset. He helps. I mean, he's, he's similar to uh, Sammy Watkins. I mean, he's a better version of, of that, but he's similar to that in terms of yeah, he's not going to just take over the game. He's not Devontae. He's not 2014 OBJ. He's not any of those guys, but he still comes in and could easily be the, the best wide receiver we have. You know, in terms of teams saying, we're just going to play man and, and shut you down. I think OBJ is the kind of guy where I don't know if that's going to work out too well. I think he's still got that ability to get away from you. Uh, he's got a lot of experience at just being a, a top end wide receiver. And even if he lost a step, I think he can still do those things. But again, I don't care. And we don't need to go that route. Let's prove we can play four quarters, and if we're if we're stalling out specifically at the wide receiver spot, go get that guy, and let's 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 make a run, let's make a push, let's do this. But let's let's do that first thing first. Why don't we take a break? 
Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. We are currently in full purge mode. <laughs> We're, we got about five people canceling their subscriptions for every one that joins. So if you want to help out the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Also, remember Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Would really love it if you could uh, help out over there. I'm just talking Packers, but they're um, doing things that are much more important. You can uh, check out what they do over at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, uh, plenty more we could talk about, but I do want to look at what PFF had to say uh we're gonna do an abbreviated version of that because you know whatever we know what happened and the grades are whatever offensively um surprisingly the grades almost look better on offense than defense but i'm sure that second half collapse is probably really skewing things i'd love to be able to look at the first half grades but we can't um there was a decent amount of bad about half the team was below average including aaron Rodgers at a 59.3 but as far as like real bad um elton jenkins was down at a 54 um then you have sub 50s aj Dillon 48 one of his lower grades obviously receiving with two drops and then a fumble yeah you're gonna have a bad grade royce newman not surprisingly 47.6 he didn't grade out well in any category romeo dobbs with a 45.6 juan winfrey 43.4 and then john runyon um having one of his worst games at a 42.8 abysmal run blocker like he's always been but um, the run blocking was worse than usual and he had one of his rare bad pass blocking days so it was just a bad day all around for them but it wasn't all bad we had four guys with good grades three of the four were actually in the 80s so we had the fifth highest grade was a 67 jordan love which i'm gonna have to go back and watch because full disclosure i may have turned the game off and didn't see that but you know nobody's really raving about it so i'm guessing he didn't do anything it's four passes but Robert Tunyon, 77.2. Somebody mentioned he broke the record for most receptions for a tight end in Green Bay or something, some irrelevant stat, so good for him. And then Josiah DeGuara at 82. Then Mercedes Lewis at 84. Interesting how three of the four are tight ends. Seems as though maybe there's something there in terms of maybe something we could have done. Just a thought. I don't know. Um, I was picking on Mercedes a lot. He had a 46 pass blocking grade, so that clearly was not the issue. He just was dominating as a run blocker. Even as a receiver, he had a bad grade. In fact, his overall grade, I think, is, is stupid, and I hate that PFF does that. But good run blocking grade, bad pass blocking, and bad as a receiver. Anyways, the number one grade, though, David Bakhtiari, 86.7 overall, basically a 90 pass blocking grade, 80.8 run blocking. So um, he seems to be, I mean, since day one, he's been pretty solid, but nothing else is um some of the specifics for Aaron Rodgers three big time throws two turnover worthy plays that's relatively high for him but it's pretty fairly standard I guess I don't know um 63.4 completion percentage 246 yards and a touchdown um pressure really wasn't the issue he had a 53.9 grade under pressure which is pretty normal for him but a 66.7 grade win clean and this has been kind of I think this is like two weeks in a row let me go back to last week and see, I'm pretty sure it was the same thing. Yep, same thing. Week four, how long has this been going on? Nah, week four wasn't quite as bad. Week three, yeah, week three too. It's about the same. The, the, the issue, as far as what it seems to be, which usually he's really bad under pressure, and then when he's kept clean, he's dominant. I don't think there's that big of a difference because he always plays as though he's under pressure. You know, that and... The, that that in a combination of guys not getting open, guys not running the right routes, whatever, um, it's causing this thing where he's not really much better while he's 
not under pressure. As far as uh, the rushing goes, Aaron Jones just 2.1 yards per attempt. Um, not harping on the we should have run the ball more this week because it wasn't working. A.J. Dillon had 4.2 yards per carry. Um, yards after contact per attempt, Aaron Jones is under one yard. A.J. Dillon, three. Uh, only one missed tackle forced between the two of them. It was by A.J. Dillon. Only one carry over 10 yards. That was A.J. Dillon. And finally, the uh, the blocking again. David Bakhtiari at left tackle, 86 overall, 80.8 run blocking, 89 pass blocking grade. Left guard John Runyon, 35. Well, let's look at the stats here. He gave up one hurry in the game. Um, John Runyon, 35 run blocking, 58.9 pass blocking. He gave up one hit and three hurries. That's a lot. Center Josh Myers, 62.9 run blocking grade, 65.8 pass blocking grade. Didn't give up any hits, hurries, or sacks. Again, some of that. A lot of the time, the center is going to be working double teams. I don't know how often they blame the center as opposed to the guard, but I do know the few that I've seen, like Mike Wall was reviewing some, and it was it was a lot of the time it was Royce's fault, even if it kind of looked like Myers because he was supposed to help out or whatever. I don't know. But their perspective, he didn't grade out well, but he also didn't give up any pressures or whatever. Royce Newman, um, 68 attempts. He gave up one sack, one hit, three hurries, 50 run blocking, 40 pass blocking. Jake Hansen, who everybody hates, played five snaps, didn't give up any sacks, hits, or hurries, had a 77.4 pass blocking grade. So the odds that he's not going to get that job if they decided to make a change, uh, unless obviously it's Elton in that spot, seem low because he's the guy they had faith in. He came in and apparently did a decent job. I don't know. And then at right tackle, Elton Jenkins, uh, 69 run blocking grade, 56 pass blocking grade, giving up uh, one hit and two hurries. So in summary, the guys with good run blocking grades, Mercedes Lewis, 84.2, David Bakhtiari, 72, Elton Jenkins, 70.8, and then you got Tunyon at 68, Myers at 66, and that's about it. The only really bad run blocking grade was John Runyon with a 41 overall grade. The next lowest was basically a 60. Um, Pass blocking was, I guess, more good and more bad. Bakhtiari, 90, Yash Nyman, 78. Yash played too? See, I, I, I missed it. It doesn't matter. But again, graded out great. Jake Hansen, 77. A.J. Dillon, 75. Tyler Davis, uh, basically a 70. Robert Tunyon, 69. Then you got like three 60s, and then Mercedes Lewis, 46. Royce Newman, 40. And Aaron Jones with a 39.7. Then uh, defensively, you had, again, not quite as good. Kingsley Anikbare had a 90.5 overall grade. However, he only played 11 snaps. He rushed the passer four times and ended up with a sack. So it's going to be grading out pretty well. But he, he did well in every category. Um, the only other good grades, Adrian Amos, 73, Dean Lowry, 73, Preston, 73, and Kenny with a 70. The bad grades, um, Garvin, 56, Rashawn Gary with a 56, which is a little surprising, but uh, he had a bad tackling grade, bad run defense grade. Pass rush was fine. Razul with a 55, Quay Walker with a 45, Eric Stokes 42, TJ Slayton with a 33. Um, so this is, I think, three weeks in a row with Quay Walker, four weeks in a row with Quay Walker, really, really, really bad grade. This was actually his highest in four weeks with a 45 overall grade. Run defense, nobody had a good grade. The highest was Kingsley Anikbari with a 68. Tackling, way too much bad. I mean, you had you had good for sure. Basically, half the team was good and half the team was terrible. Um, Garvin, Lowry, Jaron Reed, Preston Smith, Kings Lee, Jair, Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos were all good with Savage and Amos with the highest grades tackling in the 80s. But then you had Quay Walker, Campbell, Stokes, Clark, Gary, and Douglas all real bad. In fact, uh, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, and Razul Douglas were in the 20s as far as their tackling grade goes. It's also really disappointing with your two linebackers who are known for being great tacklers. If, if nothing else, they're great tacklers. They don't miss tackles. They can't tackle. That's a problem. Um, as far as pressures, uh, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith each had three, Kenny with two, and then Kingsley, Garvin, Jaron Reed, and Adrian Amos all had one. The only sacks, Kingsley and Ibarre and uh, Rashawn Gary. Um, as far as the percentages, Rashawn is great with three pressures on 20 attempts. Preston is three pressures on 18 attempts, which again is great. Kenny Clark, two for 20, which is exactly 10%, which is less than you'd probably want, but it's fine. And then uh, Kingsley, Garvin, Jaron Reed, Adrian Amos all had one with very, very 
few attempts. So obviously that's fantastic. Looking at missed tackles because that was a problem. Um, Rashawn Gary missed two. Razul missed two. Devondre Campbell missed two. Quay, Stokes, and Kenny all missed one. The missed tackles have been brutal this year. I mean, real bad. I mean, it, it's just, it's it's painful. I mean, some of, some of the... Some of the times it's not even like a big play. It's just he's behind the line of scrimmage. It should be a loss of one. He ends up getting six yards on it. A six-yard gain isn't the end of the world, but good Lord, guys, come on. Do yourself a favor. Get them off the field. You're letting them hang around with this nonsense. In terms of a percentage, Razul Douglas, uh, with his two misses, was 50% of his tackles were misses. Rashawn Gary was 40%. Stops to the other end of it. Uh, Rashawn Gary also number one in stops with four. And then uh, Reed and Amos had three. We won't go through the whole list. Targets. Jair was the most targeted um, by a mile, but not a lot of damage done. Seven targets, three receptions, 31 yards, three pass breakups. Remember, we came into this game with seven total for a team. We almost had a fifth. Well, we did have a 50% increase. We had four pass breakups just in this game. So again, I, I, I think the defense did take a step, even if it was mostly just Jair, but fine, fine, do that. And maybe, you know, who knows, maybe they find something in the second half that they can tweak other than just raw effort, which I think it was more or less the issue. Maybe they got away from it. I don't know. But coming into the game with seven pass breakups and they have four in this game is really impressive. But again, on seven targets, only three receptions, 31 yards, three pass breakups. That's a heck of a day, in my opinion. Um, didn't grade out all that great, but I'm completely fine. Again, it was mostly run defense. That was his issue, which who cares? Eric Stokes, two targets, two receptions, 57 yards. The 57 yards is the brutal part. Darnell Savage, two targets, one reception, eight yards, and a pass breakup. So that's a great day for him. He actually had a pretty high coverage grade, one of his better grades overall for the team. But again, it's the run defense that killed him. Razul, two targets, two receptions, only eight yards. Uh, Again, don't really care about the grades because that's a perfect day. But he got killed with, you guessed it, tackling and run defense. Quay, one target, zero receptions. I'll take it. Devondre, one target, one reception, three yards. Amos, one target, one reception, three yards. So really the only guy that kind of you're not happy with is is Eric Stokes and it was only two receptions but um one of them was 41 yards so you remove that and it was a perfect day in coverage in my opinion for the for the team but you can't remove it then on uh special teams three guys graded out fairly well Adrian Amos Tariq Carpenter and believe it or not number one Jack Coco Jackie Coco we got a long snapper with an 80.6 overall grade however really bad grades uh Keyshawn Nixon had a 47 Eric Wilson, 47, and then Isaiah McDuffie, 33, Jake Hansen, 27. I'm guessing these are the two guys that botched. I know McDuffie was, I couldn't think of their names, but McDuffie was one of them for sure. Jake Hansen must have been the other one. Allowing those blocks, and that's obviously going to kill you. Um, Punting, Pat O'Donnell, five punts, 48.8 average, 42 net, 62 yards was his long, two of them inside the 20. One of them obviously blocked. I hope that doesn't factor into the net yardage. 4.38 4.38 hang time. He's never really had a ton of hang time, but he does a he just does a fantastic job across the board. He's it, I, I had the lowest of expectations for Pat O'Donnell coming in, and he's been one of the better punters we've had. And I hate to jinx him like that, but it's just a reality. And then the field goal unit, obviously, again did a as good a job as he could. He he nailed one um, from in the 20 yard range, hit his extra point, and then the 40 some odd yarder. Uh, you know, it hurts Mason Crosby's averages and everything else but obviously he wasn't to blame that's the one that got blocked but again you know i'm i'm way more optimistic about the defense and special teams than everybody else um maybe it's just because i turned it off halfway through the fourth quarter and i didn't sit through it and watch it but at some point i just i draw a line and say everything after this i don't care because the defense gave up so yeah they're going to rack up points they're going to rack up yards they're going to rack up everything because the defense quit but it's not about ability and it's not about scheme at this point it's just about they they lost heart and you can get upset about that if you want but if we're going to be losing by two scores every game, then what does it matter anyways? The question I have is when the game is competitive, are they going to do this? Are they going to crumble in the fourth quarter? And I know they did it in the past, but we're trying to, we're trying to assess the new defense, which the first half looked dominant. I don't know if they would have crumbled no matter what. Maybe, maybe they would have. And maybe if the offense rallied and got to 21, 23, 24 points, we still lose. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, and, and then the special teams, again, I, I really like what they're doing. I love... You know, my recollection of last year is we could not tackle to save our lives. They, they would return the ball to like the 30 every single time they touched it. We are doing a great job getting down the field, blowing them up. Not every single time, but I don't expect every single time. I feel like our standards have, have kind of shifted. And I, and, I, and I understand it's the block kick that's driving everybody nuts, but we're talking about 
two people on two plays. There were 23 special teams plays in this game. We're talking two people on two plays. So the amount of people that played special teams, if you take 11 times 23, 253 individual efforts, two of those 253 resulted in blocks. It's not good. I'll grant you it's not good, but, you know, I'm not just focused on the end result of they got seven points from our special teams. Well, I'm looking at one guy made one mistake because I want to know how good or bad this this unit really is. And if I'm going to take 253 attempts and boil it down to two really bad ones and say that they suck overall because of it, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I think this is improved. Not great, not elite, but we never asked for that. I don't know when, when our standards changed from like, just don't be the worst in football, just be barely average to, you know, I expect you to be real good. And yeah, that, that needs to stop. No question, because it doesn't matter how good you are in, at coverage if you're giving up one of those a game. But um, th- that's not something I'm panicking about. Not yet, anyways. We'll see. But overall, I, I've, I've been generally impressed with special teams and, and the improvements that have been made. Just the effort, the intensity, and, and all the guys that I, I didn't think would have any impact. Dallin Levitt. I see him. I see number six flying down there all the time. Rudy Ford. Keyshawn Nixon. It's those guys that were brought in for that specific purpose are the ones that I'm seeing make plays. And then Keyshawn Nixon got one attempt at a kick return, and it was 32-yard return. Like, what the heck did this guy come from? And it, again, when you watch it back, you look at the speed and the intensity and the shiftiness, and it's like, dang, I didn't know you could do that. That's pretty crazy. I haven't seen that in years. I haven't seen that since, like, Randall Cobb. So, we shall see, man. You know, again, it's it's I'm not making any declarations one way or another other than right now they're a bad football team and they seem to be getting worse and um, they're not going to go to the playoffs they're not going to win in the playoffs and they're not going to win a Super Bowl unless and until something changes Um, I think the defense took a step which is encouraging I'm not upset about what happened in the fourth quarter because I don't care that the the team gave up that's not a reflection of their abilities based on you know scheme and talent or the combination maybe it is Maybe I'm just wrong about that, and, and that, that was, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not going to use that in my personal evaluation right now. So defense, I think, is moving in the right direction. Special teams, I'm okay with, but you, you got to just, if nothing else, just avoid disaster moving forward. But the offense has really got to do some stuff. And, and, and again, let's sit back and let Rodgers and LaFleur figure out how to whittle this thing down and simplify it and see what that does. And maybe we just don't have the horses and we got to go find it. I don't know, but let's let's get there first. But I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.